Welcome back to Bob Talk with Talia Little. I would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands on which I'm meeting on. So I'm on Bunurong country. I'm a proud Aranda Maritza woman from Central Australia. And I've got the awesome Tyrone Panor on, which is, you're Torres Strait, hey? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my grandmother's from Torres Strait. Oh, I've actually never had, well, not to my knowledge. This could be wrong, guys, but I don't think I've had anyone yet that's Torres Strait. So you're oh, the first no. one. Literally. Well, I'm I glad. Like, yeah. <laughs> so do you, did you grow up much back home? So no. So my, so my grandmother's from the Torres Straits. Mum is actually, she was born and raised in a um, small village of Asaro in the Eastern Highlands in Gorica in Papua New Guinea. Um, so that's where she was born before she was brought over to Australia by her older sister um, for a better education. And then she grew up in Narrabri. Um, wow, my mum was born in Papua New Guinea too. That's so oh, amazing. So crazy. I know. Oh my god. Like, she's Aboriginal, but um mm. she my family went over there to live with her. Had did your mum ever go back to Papua New Guinea or she never so it, it's quite a long story and it's quite a, a spectacular story actually with my mum and, and it's one that I've always wanted to capture um through the lens of um her child, me, um, and just using, you know, photography and um, cinematography to be able to curate her story and her growing up. So just in a, in a short snippet of it, she was brought over at the age of six um, with her sister and her husband, her sister's husband. She had married into an Australian family in Narrabri, um, where she had grown up. Uh, and then her sister had passed away. So when her sister passed away, she sort of lost that connection to homeland New Guinea um, and was ultimately just growing up with this um, white family in Narrabri. So for years and years, she had lost that connection of um, the family in New Guinea. And it wasn't until a few years back now, but there was a random message on Facebook um, of a, a profile that was like, you know, reaching out to my mom saying, you're, you're my sister, you're my sister. And my mom was a bit hesitant because she was like, well, I've only had one sister, but she, you know, she passed away um, however long ago in 91. And this lady was like, yeah, lot one. Like she's naming all these people and she's naming family. And she's like, yeah, we're like I'm your younger sister. We're over here in New Guinea. Like, um, and they finally found her after, you know, 42 years. So it's been, it's been quite the journey and mum still hasn't had the chance to get back over there, but she knows families over there and they're in contact via social. See, that's so beautiful that social media has the power to connect people I like know. that. Yeah. Like there's often so much hate around it. And like, I used to be one of those people that really kind of like despised with social media because mm. I just thought like we're losing that connection with each other and whatnot, but like, to have a story like that where it just, you know, brings people together, which is happening with a lot of the stolen gen as well. Mm. You know, it's reconnecting people. It's finding, you know, your brother or your sister or your cousin or your some weird Aboriginal connection that's like 100%. so far-fetched. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it's always, there's always pros and cons, hey, with social media. Like mm. a, a big pro would be, you know, finding long lost connections or finding family in, in that sense, um, whether it be internationally or, you know, just a few kilometres away, however it may be. But um, 
Yeah. And then, the, I mean, there are the cons of social media and, you know, putting on a front and, and the, I don't know, the illusion of social media and, and that sort of aspect. Um, Do you yeah. feel like you put on an illusion? Like I always think about social media, like, you know, when you see someone's page and it's super curated, do mm. you feel like you have that or do you feel like you try and put the most authentic mm. part of yourself on there? It's a hard one. It's such a conversation now. Hey, I've realized mm. um, that social media and um, how, like curated social medias in particular is becoming such a conversation, but I've always had the same take on my socials and it's definitely changed over the, I want to say year maybe as, as a profile starts to build and um, there's stuff that you have to keep in mind that there are sorts of people that are following you where um, you've, yeah, you've got to keep in mind, what you're putting out there. Um, but I've always said that my socials are acting as a, a blog. And that's been from the start when um, whenever I post something to socials, it's I'm blogging my life for at first it was actually me blogging my outfits. And that's why <laughs> your outfits are fire. Seriously, for um for Fashion Week, I just remember seeing them, and like the photos are so like dramatic, but I love it. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm such like a dramatic a person. That's why <laughs> dramatic is just a bit of excitement. That's what I yeah like yeah. Say. What's yeah. life without a bit of dra- dramatizing things? It's just the best. Oh, honestly, <laughs> I I do love I do love my fashion, and that's why um when I started posting a lot to Instagram, it was me posting my outfits and really it was me blogging it and being like, well, one day if I'm heading somewhere or if I'm going somewhere, I want somewhere where I can look back and see what I've worn. And <laughs> like, and that was, that was my what Instagram. do you mean? Like if you're going out on a Tuesday night, you're like, have I worn this before? Scroll yeah, 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 yeah. Oh my and God, I'm just no. keeping tabs on my app. So that was what my Instagram was. We'll not wear this more at once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like done with this, like done with this outfit, got my, you know, um, got my look in the back. Um, so that was what I was using it for. And I think as time has gone, I really like to blog and highlight, I don't know, just really cool fucking moments that happen in my life, whether it be career journeys or, um, personal journeys or, or kicking goals. I feel like I like to keep that all, um, neat and tidy in a place where I can look back. And I do a lot of the time I look back at stuff. And I think, you know, it's, it's always good when you can be in a headspace of, wow, Tyrone, like you can take a second and be like, Tyrone, you've done so much in the past year and you sit and look at all that stuff. So I think I use it as a tool to really um, boost my own morale. Do you think that in like the industry you're in, in terms of media, your Instagram page plays a lot in not a lot in how you get jobs, but it's almost like a business page as well for people to come and view what you're doing. Oh yeah. So uh, like Instagram um, or socials in general, I feel like acts as a platform for jobs in, in the media world um, for a lot of the time. In my case, uh, it's hard to say. I mean, possibly it, well, that's, 
Yes. Yeah. Yes. Cause like I was thinking like, I'm like slowly starting to get into this media radio kind of mm. world and like film and stuff like that. And I was like, how do people view, cause I have mob talk and mm. that's like one part of my life, but it's not the whole of me. And I was like, yeah. do I make my Instagram public or like, do I keep it private? But then I was thinking like, if you go and make it public you, you kind of got to go with the view of like a personal blog or like a business page yeah. do you know what I mean like you yeah, can't yeah. I feel like you can't post everything well you can yeah. but like scared literally it is a bit scurry isn't it like I think anyone I, can see your shit like yeah over <laughs> the past um well like like I said over the past year there's been a big influx of followers on my page um and that's purely to do with work and the stuff that I do and my page is public so people just tend to follow um but like I said I initially started it as just a, a, a blog where I'm just posting whatever I wanted whenever I wanted and there was so much confidence in that to a certain degree um but yeah I feel like as you get a bit more affiliated with work um I know I've personally I feel like I've lost that sense of I don't know being being able to post whatever I want whenever I want I'm just being cautious but also went through big breakups so like same same time like my head's all (laughs) over the place like pardon was that recent or was that like a while ago? Um, fairly recent. I feel like it's recent because of um, because of COVID. I feel like it's all mm. meshed, meshed into one. Um, but yeah, I feel like that period played like a big role in I don't know my headspace and and being present on social and being present. Um, at times because all I wanted to do was be surrounded by people that I knew were benefiting me at the time and people Mm -hmm. that I knew and and loved. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, going back to what you were saying before about your mum and her story, I know you were saying you want to capture that through like a videography or a photography lens. Is that something that you plan to do in the future? It is something I plan on doing. I haven't picked up my camera in a minute. Like it's been so long. Um, And I think that's just me being busy with um, careers and, um, you know, whether it be radio and television. Um, So I haven't done some photography and and videos in a while, but I know this year I really want to pick my camera back up and, you know, get back into it. Yeah, your Tyrone snaps page is sick. Like, your photography on that is so cool. Oh, baby girl, she's dormant. She's... (laughs) (laughs) I know, I looked at it, I was like, January 26th last year. I know. She sleep. She sleep. (laughs) I need a... um, Yeah, I might post on, like, the 26th of Jan and do, like, a... a That's a good way to come back. Yeah. Well, that's what I thought last time. See, that's why the... That's why there was a post. I said the exact same thing. I was like, this is a great time to come back. New year, new me. Year later. (laughs) Uh, Speaking of new year, new me, like what are your new year's resolutions? Have you got any? I haven't got new year's resolutions. Um, I, I, I hardly do resolutions when it comes to a new year, but I will say that what the things that I want for my year, I think is what I, tend to say. Um, it's a really good way of putting it. Yeah. So I, 
what do, do I say? I say um, for this year, I've said that I want to um, look out for my mind, body, and spirit. So I want to make sure that I have a healthy mind. Um, I'm eating healthy and I'm treating my body right. Um, and spirit is just overall um, surrounding myself with good energy um, and making sure that comes back tenfold for me. Um, so mind, body and spirit, making sure I'm looking after those. Um, photography is one thing that I want to get back into. I think on the list, <laughs> on the list, it definitely is. There are so many black creatives out there. And it's a wonder because we know as, you know, Blackfellas know how to tell stories. And black the original storytellers. The original storytellers, right? And whether mm-hmm. that be through spoken word or whether it be through on-screen um, entertainment or whether that be behind the lens and capturing it through through photos and videos, we we know how to tell a story or it could be through song and dance, you know what I mean? So I want to make sure that I pick up my camera and, um, yeah, I'm doing a lot more of that. Um, but, yeah, and overall just, I don't know, keep, keep trying to kick goals. I, I really just go with the wind a lot of the time. This year is, I feel like for everyone, because the last two years have been a bit like what the, what the F is happening in my life. This year is like getting shit done, you know, like setting those goals and actually achieving them. Yes. I was saying the other day, and I know a lot of people have been saying this, but you know, when you're in your twenties, like I turned 23 last year and I'm like, I was 20 all but like uh, yesterday. You know what I mean? Literally, like, like literally like, yesterday. <laughs> yeah. I feel like the past couple of days, a couple of years have felt just like meshed into one and I've lost so much time. But yeah, but it, it, you can still say in the same um, way that a lot has happened in that two years. So yeah, it's like so much, but nothing at the same time. Oh yeah. Yeah, exactly. I feel like social media as well has really come into play in a lot of people's lives with connecting because no one's been able to connect. Like I have met so many black creatives online that I never thought I'd meet or that I didn't know were out there during this time. And I've just like, connect like like with you. I like found you, I found B, I found Crip D like, you know, just like all of these different creatives. Yes, there's so, uh, social media has opened and it continues to surprise me actually. Like just the amount of creatives, but um, and, and amount of black followers in different respective industries. Mm-hmm. It's crazy to like we're actually in these spaces now. We're in these spaces and and we're taking up these spaces with strength. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. there was a, t- a night that um, Narelda Jacobs, she's co-host on Studio 10. She hosted um, Ballet. It was a night where she just had a whole bunch of mob um, in Sydney come together and it was just like a mixer night. And this was obviously like pre-COVID um, well, pre-height of pandemic, but she sort of got us in the one room and I sat back for a second and I looked around and there was so many like black creatives where like there's some big names in the room and you're like, Oh my God, like this person's ex sports star, like big name in the sports world. We've got entertainment. We've got models. We've got 
actors, actresses, musicians, like, yeah, like we're lawyers, <laughs> doctors. I'm like sitting back and it's absolutely insane to see, but it's so warming to know that, I don't know, we are taking up these spaces and we're being so unapologetic about it. Okay, this is what I wanted to say. I One of my, I guess, things that I wanted to do this year, which sometimes, you know, like it's hard to do in media spaces, um, is be unapologetically black. That is something that I feel like this year is such a year for because, you know, you can, something I struggle with personally is, when you're Aboriginal or Torres Strait, you're constantly feeling like you have to educate people when you, sometimes I feel like a burden when I have to like um, reach conversations about racism and stuff like that. So one of my things is being, you know, like unapologetic, unapologetically black mm. in terms of holding that space and not being, not, not feeling some sort of way about it. So if someone, you know, goes to use the term like, oh, what are you doing this Australia Day? It's something I get quite often because I live in an area that's like really white. Um, and I'm like, oh, well, this invasion day, this is what I'm doing, you know? Like, so do you do you ever struggle with this or is it something that like on media you, you get overwhelmed with, with people maybe saying bad comments and you're feeling mm. like a bit like, what should I do? I feel like for me personally, there's, there's, a bit of a disconnect to how I deal with it in in my work than in my personal life, I feel. For me personally, I'm I feel like I'm such a people pleaser. Or like mm-hmm. and that's just in all honesty, probably childhood trauma. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. just me wanting to please everyone and, and make sure that there's um I don't know, great energy because I just I, I can't do with conflict. Um but in saying that, it is always a conversation for me of being like, well, if you can't stand for what I stand for or if you don't align with what I align with and you refuse to change and if my stance is that, you know, I don't celebrate Australia Day and and I, um, you know, call it Invasion Day, call it for what it is and we'll be out doing my part at the rallies or, you know, and so if someone doesn't appreciate that, then that's someone that I don't need. And I count it as their loss. Yeah. Yeah, I count it as their loss and, and less of mine, I feel, because there's, there's always going to be, you know, so many other um, people that, that you'll meet. Mm. So, I mean, if they don't want to come around to it, then, I mean, they, they miss out on all this, you know what I mean? Yeah. They miss out on all of this. <laughs> and how good is it? Like, you know, talking about being around black creators, just like being around mob in general, it's something oh. that like you automatically feel like accepted or like yeah. you feel so comfortable to be yourself and there's Honestly, something so special in that. I did, I did, Um, I was at SBS for about four years. So when I was employed with SBS, um, I came into their program and um, was working under SBS um their books really like I was employed yeah. with SBS but NITV is under the same housing as SBS so they're in the same building once mm-hmm. NITV caught wind that I was working there they introduced themselves they came up they said hey like blah blah, blah. I met 
biggest mob in the NIT <laughs> like all of them came around and it was from then it was just family you know what I mean like I yeah. was with SBS but half the time I was over with NITV like running a mic and you could notice the difference when I would work with an SBS journalist it would be totally different to or not even a journalist but like just on an maybe an OB like if I was working with an SBS OB compared to an NITV OB there's that sense of family with NITV and you know with family there comes bickering and there comes you know all the messy parts of family but I think there's the comfort as well of being around, being around mobs. So I could notice that difference, especially in, in that particular workplace. I, I loved it. Yeah. There's something. So like I've worked with VACA for oh, like five, I don't even know how many years, like five years. And um, going from that to a white organization, like I actually didn't realize how much like racism there was or like just off the cuff stuff or even just like, there's like this wall that everyone has up. Whereas like when you work with other Aboriginal people, it's just like, Hey sis, Hey bruv, what's mm, going on? Like it, you feel connected. Like literally. Yeah. That's, and we're also, that's, we're also like, we're so funny. Oh, we're so funny. Tell me about it. And that's why it's so, that's why it's so good working around each other. Cause at half the time you're just in stitches. Like you just, you're cracking jokes with each other it and it makes the day go faster is what I've found, which is, yeah. Oh, I, I love it. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> yeah. So when you were, so you talk a bit about your videography, I saw a YouTube video actually about you talking when you were like, oh, I think you were in a TAFE course. Oh, when yeah. When you were young, you would have been like 17 or something. Oh How my God. How did that start? Oh my God. So, yeah. So my, my, my career journey is, is is a bit of a weird one. So I, in high school, did something called a school-based traineeship. Um, and so for about two years, um, from year 10 to 12 till I graduated, that two years I was working one day a week at a bank. Um, and so after I finished that, I, um, I won, uh, I was nominated for an award. Um, which was like school-based trainee of the year for Western Sydney, which was my oh, wow. region. Um, yeah, I was nominated for that and then I won it. And then I I, I went to nationals. <laughs> so they did the New South Wales leg. Um, and then I won the New South Wales round. And then they did um, the nationals, which, so I went up to beautiful Larrakia country for the first time. I was like 17. They flew me up there. Um, this was like post school, post high school, first time being on a plane up in Darwin, like it's so hot, sweating my hole out in a fucking literally sweating. I grew up there, so it was just like oh. you literally feel like your insides are like sweating through your pores. <laughs> literally, I had never been anywhere outside of Sydney, and I was just I was like, oh, but it was so beautiful. Um, mm. didn't end up didn't end up taking out nationals. Um, but I joined something called, uh, I, I didn't join, but like you, you become a vet ambassador. So I, I am an ambassador for vocational education and training and what that can offer for, um, people who want a different path to something other than uni. So somewhere like TAFE, 
or um, RTOs or colleges and, and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I did that. And that's how I landed my gig with SBS. So I was at my graduation. So I was, I did my traineeship through the Aboriginal Employment Strategy, AES, Christy Masella. She's an absolute boss woman. Um, <laughs> so B and I actually did similar traineeships, but I was graduating at the AES graduation and someone from SBS was actually in the audience and I was telling my story about um, you know, winning the awards. And he came up afterwards and he was like, hey, we're actually looking um, for someone to fill this position. Like, give me a call if you're interested. Like, I'd love wow. to walk you through some some stuff and see if you're up for it. And I was like, um, yeah. He goes, how he goes, um, I don't want to take you away from the bank if they've offered you anything. And I was like, baby boy, I was like, <laughs> get me, me that out card. of that bank. <laughs> <laughs> the bank is not for me. This face is yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. you think this face belongs behind a teledesk? <laughs> and like, no. baby boy, give me that card. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, and then I started working with SBS and then it all sort of, it's a, it's a knock on effect from there. So, um, that video would have been just, uh, it's like a training asset, I think to, for, for me telling my story, um, because I mean, not tooting my own horn, but it can be, it can be a very inspiring story for, for someone who's come from, um, a situation to be able to know, what paths they took and um, what steps they had to to go through to get where they are. Absolutely. And, you know, if you can see it, you can be it. And as yeah. a young person, especially young and black, it's so now it's a, now I feel like it's getting a lot better because, you know, you've got Ash Barty and you've got mm. you who's on Triple J and you've got all these amazing Aboriginal people in these visible places. As a young person, you can kind of be like, oh, well, you know, if they can do it, I can do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, like, it, it's becoming more and more um, tangible, I think, for, like, for, for younger generations, hey, because when I can only imagine what it was like for, like, older generations growing up and, you know, they they are the shoulders that we stand on in this current generation, right? Um and it would have been hard for them to sort of grasp onto what are they looking at and what are they striving for? Um, I feel like in our generation, we're so lucky to have, you know, those um, generations that have gone before us to have paved such a way and have entered these spaces with, with such strength and have made more space for, for us, which is. Oh, oh absolutely. I am. Um... I always actually think about this, like what does being Aboriginal mean these days? Because it's a lot different to what it meant, you know, before pre-colonisation and mm. being Aboriginal and our expectations and stuff and what we did was just a lot different. So what does that look like now? And being, I want to say like an urban Aboriginal person, but like being an Aboriginal person that lives in the city is a lot different to someone who may live, you know, in the bush and practices ceremonies and stuff like that. And I guess now something that I always think about is, okay, well, my great grandparents and my mum and, you know, they've done so much to get me here. Like how do I carry on this journey of 
fighting for sovereignty and fighting for our people, you know, and it's different. Like you've got your space of Triple J where you may uh, project your voice on there to impact other people's lives. And it's Mm. like we have to carry it on in a way that non-Aboriginal people are going to feel it too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I one of the more recent things is is, is something that um, has happened more recently. <laughs> it's a better way to put it. Um, is the new show that that I've just started on Triple J is one that honestly I have been keeping in the back of my head since I started at Triple J. I wanted when I started a place where people like young Tyrone would have wanted. And that is, you know, young Tyrone who grew up in Western Sydney. You know, I grew up with a lot of um, community and a lot of different communities. We moved around um, in and out of houses. So I feel like we were around a lot of different mob and that's generally how like I was raised, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and so one of the, if we talk about music, one of the main genres that, you know, a lot of black fellas are really bumping to and a lot of POC people. Um, it'll be like that soul, that R&B, mm-hmm. you know, that, that, that neo soul sound. So when I started at Triple J, all honesty, I didn't listen to Triple J prior to working there. Um, it's very be, indie, like very alternative, very indie. Very old indie. Um, there wasn't a space for what I really like listening to, um, but I knew I started working there and I thought, you know, this is this is a step toward where I could potentially create a space um, and, you know, open doors for people that I grew up with and listen to the same music that I did. So, you know, two years on and I've just um, landed this show and now I host two hours of R&B soul. Congratulations, yeah, by the way. So Stuff for you. Thank you. <laughs> soul um, control. <laughs> soul control, baby. 9pm every Monday night. Um, but, yeah, and now, you know, like that is it's where I wanted to be when I started. And now that I'm here, I'm, I think I'm thankful that there is a space now for not only someone like young Tyrone, but every, everyone else that grew up and was like, I want a place where I can listen to, you know, the songs that I like without ad breaks, like all that sort of stuff. So, um, so is there no ad breaks? No, well, that's a good, like, people love Thanks Triple J. People love Triple J because there's no ads. Um, oh, I actually didn't know that. Yeah, well. Oh, that's a vibe. Yeah. I had an ad break, especially on, like, Kiss 101 and stuff. I don't <laughs> listen to those channels, but, like, yeah. when I do it, like, some weird ad break, I'm like, oh, I just don't want to listen to this. But I'm, tra- <laughs> I'm trying to, like. I'm trying yeah. to like hustle my way to work with a good vibe and then an ad break comes on. And then an ad break. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, honestly, um, that's the godsend that a lot of people just love Triple J for is that there's just no ad breaks. Um, yeah. So how do you curate your, like how do you, if you're going into a session, how do you curate that? Like what is going through your mind? Are you wanting to tell a story? Like are you just wanting to vibe with it? I really, um, it depends. The past couple of weeks has been like a really weird start to um, my shows. 
just been like a lot of COVID stuff has, has thrown like spanners in the works with it. But generally now that I have this show, I really want to build on it and make it uh, just whatever, because I, I can, like I can do mm. just that and I can make more creative it more control. Around. Yeah. So now that I have more creative control, I really want to um, you know, start shaping it and forming it into something bigger. Um, and I guess that'll come in the coming weeks. But when it comes to playlisting, I, f- I feel like I just keep in mind, I, I want to make sure that I'm supporting um, Australian artists. So I want to make sure that I have Australian artists in there. Um, and I want to make sure that I'm just, I'm, I'm keeping stuff smooth and I'm making sure that I want this to be a show that people just love listening to. Like it is, it is a safe space on a Monday night where you can come and do whatever you're doing and just have it on in the background and just be at ease. Mm. Drink a glass of red, be making some pasta. Like it, it's a, it's a late time to like exactly. drink a glass of red. And drink some it's that, but like literally, it's that vibe. Yeah. No, that kind of music. Like I was looking at some of your, I was looking at your hot, a hot 100 top 10. Mm. And I was like, my kind of tunes. Georgia Smith is my girl. Like she is my number one bitch. Like when she, when um, FKA Twigs released that album, I was literally waiting on the Friday morning. I was driving to my shitty job. Oh, I shouldn't say that. It wasn't. Job. It was I work, I work at a, like a hospital job as well. Like trying to get that bread. But um, I was driving to the job being like, Oh, this is so shit. And then I was like, but that song just got released. I literally played it the whole way. Yes. <laughs> yes. I'm telling you, Georgia Smith, I, I can't. I hold this space for Georgia Smith. It's just like a special place in my heart. I love her so much. It's crazy. Literally my idol, like her fashion. Like one time, I know she has like the most amazing stylist, but she wore this like pink tight dress with pink heels. And like, this is Jacqueline. I think that's how you say the brand. Um, This like pink hat. And I was just like, I'm dying. Like your voice and your style. Like it's just, and she's not like a skinny She's like gorgeous, but she's not super skinny. Like she's voluptuous, and she just yeah. She owns (laughs) well, honestly. I just yeah, I do love Georgia Smith. (laughs) So do you love do you love FKA's new album? I do love FKA's new album. I've listened to a few cuts from it. Um, The Georgia one, Daniel Caesar. There's some great features on it. It's very Um, experimental. I feel like very experimental. I was talking to do you know Paul Gorey? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I was talking to Paul yesterday. I called him up and I was like, what would you, like, how would you describe this album? Because I was like, it's not one category. I found it hard to be like, well, it's R&B, but it's, like, experimental, but then it's got a bit of this and a bit of that. Like, it's it's just so random, but it's so great to have mm, that. Mm. And I know she talks about in her, she posted a thing on Instagram about the album being like, this album is a journey through my lockdown and it's a journey through my finding finding myself and loving sex again and loving love again and loving, you know, all these crazy things, which is really beautiful because you can kind of like, if you listen to the album, you can kind of see, I remember like one song she was like, I wanted to die alone. I was like, oh, sis, like that's really heavy. But, you know, like like, it was literally my first line. And I was like, wow, that's like, (laughs) I was looking for some vibes, but, you know, like it's the truth of what she was going through. So, you know, that's really beautiful that everyone connects. Mm. Like, you know 
if it's if it's like one of the few good things that we we get from lockdown and like a, a pandemic is um music i think a lot of artists have had the opportunity to you know sit with um, their thoughts and feels and whether they feel most creative in, in lockdown, cause God knows a lot of them don't, you just feel really exhausted. Um, mm-hmm. but whatever you take from that experience, um, and you, and you make it what it is on the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, and we as listeners get the absolute pleasure of being able to hear that journey like FKA and her journey mm-hmm. through lockdown and, you know, falling in love with certain things again um, through that period of time. So, yeah, I think that's a beautiful thing. It's, it's, it's a beautiful thing that we've been able to, to see and hear from a pandemic. Mm. And like going back to invasion day. Yeah. Were you around when triple J changed the hot 100 day? That was before you. That was before me. Yeah. Um, Yes, I, I never really knew the um I, I would have loved to be around to to know what conversation was being had. Um Yeah, it would have uh, been really interesting to see like the behind the scenes, like how that was, you know. Because yeah. Triple J's generally been a I would you call it I always get it wrong, is it front left or front right? Front left. Like a left side. Yeah. You know how people say, yeah, yeah left. Um has been like a a generally more safe space for a diverse community to be mm. able to listen. Well, I think back in the day it was a bit more like indie, but um, now, you know, having Triple J backing, I guess I'm going to say walking beside us as Indigenous people is yeah. such a powerful thing because so many people listen to Triple J. It is. You know? And um, it, like, it, it, it's great to see because that's what, you really need and and if we talk about allies we you have um everyday allies that you know walk beside us in the in the rallies and 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 do their part whether that be for a day but you know keep that energy all year um and then you have you know big allies not big allies but like allies that make substantial or have substantial influence in stuff that they do. So mm-hmm. Triple J, I think changing their day is is a massive feat because their audience, a lot, a lot of the audience might not agree with it and just, you know, but knowing that um, somewhere like Triple J wants to create and wants to create a safe space for First Nations people and walk alongside them, um, I think is, is something very powerful. But also working there as a black follower, and we've got a few few black followers in the office now. Like Latina was telling me. She was like, we've actually got so like we've got so many. I was like Honestly that's sometimes what I like to see. <laughs> I was where was I was standing in a I think I was standing in a producer booth. We had Dave Woodhead. Um, TSI man from like Darwin, he was presenting. I was standing in the producer booth next to Nookie and Ziggy Ramo. I think it was Ziggy. Yeah. Z- yeah. Ziggy Ramo was in the producer booth with us. And then we had Ash McGregor who, um, is like the producer and it was just all black colors. And I was looking around, I was like, 
Oh. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> how crazy is this? Um, but yeah, I, I, I love that there's so many more black followers working because we all, I think, strength in numbers, first of all. Mm-hmm. Um, but also that, again, that sense of family and community, you know, you feel comfortable with your coworkers if a lot of them are mob. Um, oh, absolutely. But yeah, and also like in terms of bringing, um, what would you call it? Like you know, doing our part, if we were t- just talking about that again, like doing our part um, as a generation and how that can show up in different ways. In terms of work, when presenting, I always um, make sure that I am calling um cities by their traditional place names Mm -hmm. and make sure if it's uh if it's a a melbourne based artist i'll say it's a nam melbourne based artist or if it's Mm -hmm. brisbane mianjin brisbane artist blah 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 um and so that way if it means that my influence and you can really I've already felt the ripple effect from it because a lot of people message me on Instagram. A lot of people message the triple J text line and they say, Tyrone, like every time you say Melbourne, you're saying Nam in before it. Like what, what am I imagining something or like, what am I missing? What are you saying? So that's an opportunity for me to teach whether it be one person or, or two people about traditional place names and, you know, using that in everyday language, then I feel like um, that's that, that there's something powerful in that. Oh, absolutely. And I even like, I'm guilty for it sometimes not using the names. Like I just go with like Melbourne and I'm like, num, and then I'm like start saying Melbourne again. And I'm like, I just need to get it in like a habit because, mm. you know, like us as Aboriginal people, we still make those mistakes because mm. that's just like what we've grown up with. But I guess as long as we can do our best to kind of moving forward, really use those names. And that's something that Triple J does really well. Like I look on the um, <clears throat> Instagram as well and it's always like on um, Nam or on, you know, Border on Country or wherever yeah. it is, it's always yeah. using those names. And that has so much power to influence people yeah. that people don't even understand you know yeah and I feel that that from from the inside is just you know having black fellas working on the inside is is creating all of these learnings and these teachings to be like hey it's not hard to just sub out Melbourne with Nam or like mm. or add Nam in before Melbourne like it's it's, it's actually not that hard Mm. Um, and you might be teaching one person who teaches a thousand. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, you're right. So breaking down your top 10, <laughs> can you, do you remember off the top of your head? Oh my God. Um, I have it. I have it in front of me. I, I, TK Mitzer, yep. Kashmir, she was my, she was my number one. Um, what else did I have in there? I had Madam Three Empress with Locking yep. Eyes. I had Budra with Hire. Um, Pricey with Too Dang Good. I had You Kai. missed your girl, you missed your girl Jay. Georgia Jay Smith, Smith Bust Down. Yes. Georgia Smith Bust Down. Or that song single handedly. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah. Single handedly got me through 2021. I'm telling you. Oh, the film clip. 
Oh, stunning. Her and Shaver oh. tell you, like... Literally, they were sitting there in their fur coats, long nails, jewellery, and I was like, yeah. That's, I yeah. wouldn't see that. Like, Yeah. You know what, like that, I, I listened to that song a lot during, that and Cashmere by TK Mites, who I listened to a lot during my breakup, but mm. Bust Down by Georgia just has a way of making you feel like, sexy you just yeah back on your shit you know what I mean like I but think while, while doing a little bit of a two-step like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that was the that was the power and energy that it brought and that is why it held a space in my top 10 because it yeah it really got me through so much um well oh, what else did I have in there oh I had jungle all of the time mm-hmm Love that. Um, what am I up to? Am I up to seven? You've got Lil Sims. Oh, uh, Lil Sims Woman with Clear Soul. Love Lil Sims. Um, you know, just quickly on that yeah. note, what I've been finding is, like, I, lo- I love UK artists. Like, I'm just obsessed. Like, the UK music scene is blowing yes. up. Yes. Like, yes. there is so much coming through there. But what I actually notice in a lot of their songs, like, a lot of the people of colour songs, I'm going to say, the same theme resides with all people of colour all over the world. Like you've got Georgia Smith, she released a song called A Thousand Nights Mm. and that explores, you know, I think it was like there's a line, step outside with no intention of serving a 10. And I was just like, dude, like there's this theme that is across the world and that maybe that's why people of colour can, you know, like I love UK artists and black yeah, UK yeah. artists because mm. I'm like if all my beliefs and values kind of like they pass through all these songs so they're all relative. Yeah, yeah. It, um, it's, it's insane that you say that because I, I see this similar um, sort of relation between that same messaging, I think, throughout their music but I'm just trying to Joy Crooks is an artist who I um, had interviewed uh, last year towards the end of the year so she's from South London and she's um, I think she's Bangladeshi and from the UK so um a lot of her, she released her debut album and a lot of the themes through it were just about her life. But one song in particular was um, called Kingdom and it was just really talking about the UK and the government and, you know, um, about just how, you know, rotted the system is really. Um, but there's this one line that really just resonates and it was fucking with a kingdom that never fought for you. And I was just like, wow, wow. Literally. Like, Those one-liners, though, they hit deep. They they really do. I sat back and I thought and I was like, wow, a lot of people here in Australia do be messing with the government that never fought for you. <laughs> like, and still, like, like, on the edge, you know, like, we won't go there. That's another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yes, the UK scene is popping off or we are being introduced more and more to them, I feel, because I feel like may have always been there um but yeah we it's getting a lot of traction now and i love to see it 
How do you keep a good, like, I don't know if Triple J has like, but then you guys probably have resources for this, but you know, like, how do you keep a good amount of Australian soul, I guess, to your playlist? Because I know for me at the moment, like I've got, you know, like Becca Hatch releases some absolute smashes. Like Mm. I love her music, but you know, for me, it's sometimes hard to find that Australian kind of like, mix to put in there because maybe yeah. there's not as, as much of us in the music scene but we are coming up so you yeah know. so I um love that I, I've started this show because I've realized that there is a growing scene within the soul neo soul and like R&B here in Australia and so I want there to be a space um for artists like that, if they're thinking about releasing music or if they're on the cusp of releasing music, that they know that there is a space in the mainstream for them. Um, But I think the way that I come across these Australian artists is, one, resources like Triple J Unearthed, um, where artists upload a lot of um, their own music. And so it's really just sifting through that and picking out, you know, soul artists. or R&B artist, and also artists just tend to come across me and find find me, which is what I love. And through socials, again, harnessing the power of that, being able to come across um, certain artists around Australia that you may have never heard of, but are doing some great stuff. Um, so socials is a big one, but also I get a lot of serviced emails from managers or or people just reach out to me and they're like, hey, Tyrone, um, I've got this brand new track or, you know, I've got some, got some new stuff from a certain artist that I'd love for you to meet. So um, it's growing. My knowledge was very, mm-hmm. very, very little to start off with in terms of like Australian scene and it scared me quite a bit because I was like, well, what if there isn't enough? Um, but yeah, I've already like, I've already seen the scene grow like in the past, however many months. So, um, yeah, I'm excited. I, it's a continual journey to come across new artists, which is the exciting bit. Mm, absolutely. What would be your, I'm getting into radio, so I just want to start that, but yeah. what would be your advice for someone, let's go me, to starting to get into radio? Like what would be your tips or like your, something that you can give to people out there? Mm, um, oh, tips to get into radio. Um, be, be comfortable with talking. <laughs> I think is is the biggest one. Um, yeah, comfortable with talking and have a. I think my biggest biggest word of advice would just be have a passion for music. Oh, absolutely! Is, that has to be the biggest like, one, hands down. Yeah, make sure you're driven by music because it makes it makes a difference. It really does when you appreciate. Um, sound and rhythm and and music in general like it makes all the difference when it comes to working in radio um yeah so have a love for music really Mm. beautiful words of advice (laughs) (laughs) so touching um what advice would you give to your 17 year old self you know thinking back to I don't know where you were at that age but like 
Yeah. Video was that before your vocational course? So at at seventeen, I would have no, I would have been in my vocational course. Um, I would have been graduating high school. Mm. So, what advice would you give to? Lil T. <laughs> oh, Lil T. 17 is really when I feel like career moves were starting to be made. So it's, I feel like it's a perfect time for me to be given some advice to. Um, but what would I say? I um, always love, always love everyone around you. Um, and I mean, that's something I've done, but I just want to reiterate that to 17 year old Thai, always love um, and protect your energy, I think is, is a big one. But also I think the biggest word of advice would be back yourself. Like just have full confidence in what you want to do and um, take every opportunity as it comes and step into that with strength and power because you got to know your worth and what it means for a boy or a man like you to be holding a space in whatever you're doing. That was really beautiful. Aww. <laughs> Literally though, no, seriously, that was one of the things also this year that I was like, saying to myself like this is the year where you have to back yourself and that is something like even when I think of my younger self like I'm nearly 22 but when I was like 16 17 and you're struggling with all these things it might be identity it might be like what am I doing in my life or trying to like fit in at school and it's like I promise you like everything's gonna be okay you just have to back yourself because like these especially like in that at that age not everyone's gonna be around you know forever like most people aren't gonna be around forever and like you start to get into spaces where you find your people that will like appreciate your authenticity and like you for who you are. Yeah. But that's because you back yourself. Exactly. I look back at high school now and it is, it, it's crazy because I'm friends with very few of people that I went to school with, but in hindsight, when someone finishes high school, that is when, you start, like you said, start to find your people. You're entering spaces where you were, you align with, um, you know, similar, similar people in that space and it all just comes to, so the growth really starts after, you know, your high, high school period. But yeah, backing yourself is hard. Hey, like, especially mm-hmm. as a black fella, sometimes you get like a, a, a beat to your confidence and oh absolutely yeah second guess in question and um yeah I think it's something that you have to learn um to to not do but yeah making sure that you back yourself this year is mm-hmm. something that I hope for you Talia <laughs> thank you thank you I hope for myself too but we are going to do it we are here we are we are, we we are, are doing we the are. business <laughs> yes. but I know you actually have worked with my uncle Ryan Little Ryan I was I was gonna say yeah 
Um, I saw him on Big Mom Breaking With You or like he sometimes he'd post Snapchat. So I'm like, that's my uncle. <laughs> right? Oh my God. So yeah. we, are you um like act like uncle uncle? So he is my mom's cousin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, so like he's my uncle. I'm always harassing him for like little tips and tricks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh bloody um little family's big, hey? It, Biggest mob. Like, I, was, I probably don't even know all of them. Like, that's how big. Yeah, yeah. And you know when you're black, everyone's your fucking relative. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he's, like, my proper proper uncle. But, um, yeah, I got biggest mob uncles. I probably don't even know either. So, yeah. But, yeah, he's, yeah, he's cool. No, nah, I love Ryan. Little, <laughs> little he, just over, he just moved over to the ABC as well. Yeah, because he's been at NITV and SBS for ages. Yeah. So mm. I'll probably start seeing more of him around the office. <laughs> True, because it's Triple J under ABC. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. So is that in the same building? Yeah. And do they have an office in Nam? They do have an office in Nam and in Mianjin. I think there's a there's a few because ABC Radio is just situated everywhere, really. So I think yeah, we just utilise radio studios. Mm. Um, wherever an ABC studio is. Mm. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on today and making oh, the time. It's been a lot. It's been a time coming, but I'm so like I'm so grateful for you to like make the time because I know your life would be super busy and life happens and whatnot. Mm. No, thank you, thank you so much for having me on. It's been um, my absolute pleasure. I always say, always a pleasure, never a chore. Oh, that's a, that's a lovely way of looking at things. Yeah. Uh-uh. But um, I look forward to hearing Soul Control because I'll be banking on that Georgia Smith. If she releases yeah. new things, I'll be like, Tyrone, Brassways, where is JS? Like, I'm here, I'm with my red wine, I'm taking pasta and I need that pasta. Uh, I'll <laughs> make sure different. the next Georgia Smith track goes out to Talia. Oh, please, I'll actually die. <laughs> Um, no, but thank you so much for coming on. It's been a pleasure and I look forward to hearing more of Soul Control and just seeing you oh, going up no. in those ranks, you know? Oh, yeah. No, thank you. I think if someone, if one of us is going up the ranks, all of us is. Yes, absolutely. Bring up the mob. Yes. <laughs> all right. See you, bro. See ya. <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for joining us on Mob Talk this week. If you like this podcast, please share it with your friends and don't forget to chuck us a follow on Instagram. And we'll see you all for another yarn soon.